Hi. Uh, today we have Robert Sonneman, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Katie. It's great to be with you. So one of the things that I am so interested in talking to you about is, you know, this idea of what is happening in lighting and where is lighting, you know, really going, particularly when it, uh, you know, combines with health and wellness. Um, I'm personally of the belief that like the more we see what has happened, we can kind of understand what is happening. Um, so I was hoping you could just go into a little bit about your history with lighting and kind of what you saw and how it informs your design practice today. Sure. Um, well, I've been in, uh, I, um, I start, I've been in this a long time. I was uh, raised in New York city mm -hmm. and I uh, had a, pretty keen interest and, uh, in art and the ability to uh, have access to it. And then um, I, I uh, was in the service and I got out of the Navy at age 19. Mm -hmm. And I answered an ad in the New York Times uh, and got a job as a sole employee for a retailer who had gifts and lighting and his name was George Kovacs. Mm -hmm. And George Kovacs introduced me to European modernism. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was an awakening. And I was captured by the whole notion of min minimal, the minimal modern perspective mm -hmm. uh, from Bauhaus industrialism to sensuality of Danish forms. Uh, and so I uh, worked my way through college uh, working for George and uh, and uh, my parents had been uh, lighting manufacturers earlier. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, uh, some insight into manufacturing. And then at um, age uh, 21, I started the, uh, the, the wholesale business, the lighting design and manufacturing business for George Kovacs. Mm -hmm. And I left uh, a little over a year after that, which I had been with him at that point over five years. And I uh, started my own uh, manufacturing company, design and manufacturing company for uh, doing lighting. And I guess that was on my 23rd birthday. Oh, wow. So um, I've been in and around lighting my entire life. And uh, I certainly uh, started, uh, uh, started out early in the game. And so I have been there in, through the entire development of cycle almost almost since candles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, although my parents were in the business, they came from a traditional perspective. Mm -hmm. And I uh, my notion was that my uh, idea was to uh, was to uh, develop uh, of modern very modern industrial um design based upon everything in those days was rooted in Bauhaus and we were all everybody trained in that era we were all Miesian disciples mm -hmm. and so I got I uh, I proceeded to do that and uh, and the business um, actually uh, started to work and uh, I've been doing it ever since now what was it like to start a company at 23 like i feel anxiety for you <laughs> like like what was that like well you know so uh you know i was i was really driven by an intense curiosity uh about design and a compelling desire to uh learn things that i 
that I didn't know that I couldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I didn't realize I, 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 I couldn't do that. I was too young to do that. Yeah. And that I needed more experience. And if I had had more experience, I don't know if I would have done it. <laughs> so I think I was, uh, I think I benefited by, by, uh, by my, my na- naivete and my, uh, and my ignorance. And, um, I dove into, uh, into an adventure that was, uh, that was, uh, quite challenging, mm-hmm. but I got a very early acceptance and, uh, somehow, uh, it was the right, the right perception at the right time. Mm-hmm. And through a lot of growth pains and, um, uh, which not only happens early in the game, but later in the game, uh, it worked. Mm-hmm. And I started to design things, and 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 things were adopted. Uh, initially, uh, the, I remember the Museum of Modern Art picked up one of the very first things I did uh, for a short term. It was in there for about three weeks, um, uh, called the Orbiter. And uh, I remember a a, a a discussion with a with a pretty well-known designer at that point who said to me, you know, Robert, you're a great designer. And I, he said, anybody that could do this is a really great designer. And I said, what's a designer? <laughs> so uh, that's really the kind of level of naivete that I had. Mm-hmm. I just was trying to make things. And somehow um, it, it worked. And I, somehow I, I was able to, uh, because, I, because of this intense curiosity um, I was able to, uh, to build an aesthetic that, that, uh, that found a, found a place in the market. That's great. Um, I especially love those kinds of stories because, uh, we go and we talk to universities and young designers and actually here locally in Iowa, I'll speak with junior highs about, um, how to keep that design thinking fresh, you know, how to continue to do design thinking. And the thing that I think blows people's minds anywhere from junior high through college is when I say, you know, just do it, just call someone, just learn, just, you know, and they're always just like, especially the calling people thing ends up being a, wait, wait, you can just, you can just call people, you can just start doing things and, you know, and, and make it happen. And it's, so yeah. I've been in, in the design. I've been in the business of design for over fifty years, and my curiosity and my desire to learn has only increased, oh, awesome. and continues to. So I think that that is, you know, if you're if you're curious and committed and willing to uh, to pursue that curiosity, and that curiosity is a passion, uh, you find out what you need to know. Mm-hmm. I feel like designers are like the kids that never stopped asking why, even when adults were like, you drive me crazy. Stop asking why, you know, like we're just, you know, adult kids asking why still. So that's true. But, you know, I came from a background uh, where asking why was rewarded mm-hmm. uh, because my uh, uh, I, my dad, for example, was very receptive to that and very uh, supportive of that curiosity, and supportive of supportive of the kinds of activities that I was interested in, and and he was uh, he made it possible when I when he saw me draw, 
he sent me to the Art Students oh, League cool. and, uh, and joined me at the Museum of Modern Art. I went to school across from the Museum of Modern Art in the Whitney. Mm -hmm. And so I spent time, you know, it was cold out, so I would hang out there. And uh, so I came from a, from a, from a, I was lucky to have that kind of uh, support mm -hmm. system until I went into business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, um, with your history, particularly knowing that like you kind of grew up knowing about lighting, um, what have you seen as far as the changes uh, in terms of health and wellness and the way that lighting really ties into health and wellness? So when lighting, lighting was more about the aesthetics of fixtures than the functionality and performance of illumination. And of course, designers understood perhaps the basics of general or ambient lighting and task lighting, but little was understood about the other characteristics of quality, color, intensity, control, that is now, you know, part of the critical process of space design. So the lighting revolution is a result of, of the technology shift to electronic illumination and the explosion of the possibilities that are now achievable through the science of engineered controllability. Um, so what, what we were producing in the beginning was, was a more of an, uh, of a, of an abstract or an appliance that was decoratively interesting and happened to mm -hmm. light. But we weren't really dealing with the characteristics of lighting on any, on any academic or intellectual basis. And that happened later. And so while it was unusual to employ a lighting designer for a project, even 30 years ago, today lighting is regarded as the fourth dimension mm -hmm. of architecture and almost always is achieved through the services of, of a professionally trained mm -hmm. lighting designer. So it's a dramatic change and everything about lighting um, is, 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 is different. And even though we called it the lighting industry uh, when it, in, its, in, its early, in the early days, it was really, it, it, was, it was about lighting at a di very different kind of level in the same way that, I don't know, maybe candles was about lighting in, in the mm -hmm. 1800s. Uh, and that has all completely changed, completely changed, completely. And um, so uh, uh, now we are really dealing with the science and the technology uh, of, of uh, mm. electronics. And we are producing light electronically that mm. is now controllable. And when I say controllable, it's controllable um, on uh, uh, not just levels of brightness, but mm. levels of color, levels of intensity, uh, all of which make a dramatic difference in the well-being and the general um, uh, health of a of an environment. Um, so, for example, uh, in work settings in which uh, um, blue enriched lighting uh, that can lead lead to improved alertness, 
and therefore improved performance. What is equally interesting is that males and females react to light hmm. and color differently. And that warm lighting tends to improve cognition in females, while cooler white lighting improves performance in males. So we are getting into not just the, tech, the technology of lighting, but the human behavior and the, uh, and the impact of lighting. Um, and so the extent of the science is, 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 has grown to completely unimagined uh, realms. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... Did I answer that question? I'm, yes, you did. <laughs> okay. One of the things you brought up is how quickly things are changing. And, and especially with technology, you know, like I went into um, the cell phone store the other day and they were... I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh, I went to, um, you know, the cell phone store the other day and I had this whole phone and they were like, you know, it's only a couple of years old. And they were like, oh, that's basically not even going to work soon. Uh, things are advancing so fast. Um, how do lighting designers keep up with those changes and, and does it cause problems or is it kind of, you know, the same way, the same way that any profession stays up with any, with the, with the information in, in medicine or in, Mm -hmm. in any science. So lighting designers today are not necessarily people who are not in fact, people who design lighting products. Mm -hmm. Lighting designers are, are designers that, that design the ap- application of the lighting and call for certain specifications and performance standards. Mm-hmm. So it is very unusual to do any kind of large project and not have a lighting uh, designer calling for the for the uh, for the distribution, the lumen output, the the uh, color, uh, the tone, the 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 surfaces that should be lit, etc. Uh, whereas we are designing the products to f- fulfill that those needs. Mm-hmm. Well, so with smaller design firms who have to worry about, um, you know, lighting it, but they don't have a lighting designer on staff. What should they know about um, approaching lighting and making sure that they get the correct lights in place? Uh, I. Getting the correct lighting in place. Um, uh, that, that correct by whom? Uh, oh, sorry. For like health and wellness, if they're looking to create a healthier environment, um, is there a good place for them to start, or kind of a general idea of of how everything mm-hmm. everything is online? Okay. And it depends upon how deep you want to drill down in terms of your level of understanding of how. Uh, light as energy is deployed. So uh, if you if you really want to understand all of the technical, quantitative and qualitative characteristics of lighting, there's no shortcut to it because it's primarily math. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, the difference is is that it is now uh, contr- it is now controllable. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, if you were, you could do it, you could, you could manage color and tone uh, on a stage because you used color gels, but now we do it electronically. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could, 
direct light and, and control its beam spread with lenses or reflectors. Now we can do it electronically. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the, the, the whole science is, um, is, is so deep at this point that it has, it really has, you know, I remember uh, working on a project with a, with a lighting designer many years ago before we had that kind of technology. And while they understood lumens and lux and distribution uh, and intensity, the, they really, the calculations were all on the, on the back of a napkin. Mm. And um, they were, they were, but today it isn't like that at all. And everything we do, by the way, we model on a on uh, programs like Photopia, mm-hmm. uh, so that we know exactly the lighting characteristics of something going into a space before it goes into a space. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, and in architecture, uh, for years, what they taught in architecture was how you managed available light by the placement of windows and skylights and and other portals, but they didn't teach um, how you managed um, artificial light or uh, uh, by placement of fixtures uh, within a within a project, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why ultimately it came to a place where they they began to consult with people who specialized in that. But it was it was catch as catch can in uh, in the early actually only up to maybe 20 years ago. And really what's happened in the last 10 years or five years is um, dramatically different. Is there a reason why it's like just in the last decade, things have become dramatically different? Technology. Mm -hmm. The technology has has changed so dramatically. Today, lighting... um, Lighting is, uh, is, a, is a technology-rich science, mm-hmm. and uh, it has uh, illumination uh, profoundly impacts, obviously, the user experience, the perception, the performance within a space, and it's become uh, a much larger part of an integra- integrated environment uh, or management system, such as a building management system. So... Now we are controlling lighting as one of the components of the, of the environment within, within the, the project, within the building. Sound, air, um, uh, lighting are all, are all now being integrated. And that's the future. Mm-hmm. The future is system inter- integration of lighting as it as it becomes increasingly merged into the controllability of building systems, mm-hmm. it's one of the dimensions of uh, of building a successful space. Now, going off of that, what is what do you think is next for lighting? What is the next big thing that we should be aware of, especially when it comes to creating health based choices for um, for interiors? So what, 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 what's the number one thing I think is the number one, two, and three thing is, is controllability, mm-hmm. integration into other systems. 
And the, the, the final thing that's happening is that our performance in LED technology is allowing us to develop miniaturization mm -hmm. and to get the kind of lighting characteristics that we used to need very large luminaires to produce that we can now produce on very, very small uh, form factors. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what's happening in lighting. And the fact that we can integrate lighting into the architecture because of the ability to, of, to minimize, use minimal forms uh, is what's changing, dramatically changing. And the, the performance standards of, of very small uh, luminaires have, have increased so dramatically that you almost don't need large luminaires in, in almost any mm -hmm. space. So uh, uh, I think that's really what what we are dealing with at the moment. I can't tell you, I, I don't know that anybody can tell you what will happen five years from now because everything is changing so quickly. Mm -hmm. But those are the three factors that I think are the most uh, impactful at the moment for the future in, in terms of predictability is for the future. Great. Um, so just kind of a fun personal question is what are, do you think are the hardest aspects of working in lighting and what are your favorite aspects of working in lighting? So I went through, I went through a whole career of, of, I don't know how many years, 30 or 40 years or more, and got to a point where I was beginning to get pretty bored mm -hmm. with it because I wasn't really working with lighting. I was working with um, I was working with with objects that also lit okay. or provided light, uh, and uh, and I and I it was, and then there was a revolution, and the revolution changed everything that we understood and thought about in lighting, and it completely re-excited me. It was like mm -hmm. a rebirth with a whole new world to discover. And so um, the fact that we are now into a world that we can, we can paint with light, we can, we can control it in, in, in color and quality and intensity. And we can lens it, we can, we can lens light and shape light electronically without mm -hmm. lenses. We can create lenses electronically. So the potential is incredible. Before you had to have a light source and then a lens source to control the, 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 the pattern of light or the distribution, the size of the, of the, uh, of the, um, of the light cast on, a, on an object. And now we can do that electronically, which is amazing. And so the fact that we can achieve the kinds of things that we are achieving are, is, it was, it was like, it was like a rebirth. And I'm more excited now than ever before about working with lighting. It also has changed what we can do to the product because instead of having these very large constructions, these overscaled conditions that were a requirement of having to run heavy wires, line voltage wires through the fixture or through the luminaire, we now can do this with these tiny minimal wires 
and even using the material itself as conductors because we're doing it all with low voltage. And low voltage allows us to, to minimize uh, the construction and of what we're, of what we have to build with. And the reason for that is that, that uh, the whole lighting industry emerged from the gas industry. And this, of course, I'm talking about in the beginning, in the 1800s, because that's how you got light. And they would pipe in gas and those lit luminaires, those gas lit luminaires were, uh, were the lighting, so the light source. And all of the scale and sizes of the components were based upon that, which made them by definition heavy and, and, and chunky mm -hmm. and overscaled. Uh, but now everything that we do is can can be designed. All of the form factors can be designed with such delicate, minimal uh, sophistication, uh, and that has that has completely changed uh, everything that we know about about developing product, good, great product for lighting. Miniaturization is really critical. To be able to produce a thousand lumens with a piece that's no bigger than that's than half of a cell phone um, mm -hmm. really is dramatic. That that makes me laugh because you know we always thought that uh, cell phones were going to get real small, and instead, what is using that technology is lighting. Well, that. Uh, <laughs> Cell phones were to get real small, except that people prefer them to be big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, the, the the technology that's gone into a cell phone now, as opposed to as opposed to only a couple of years ago, is so dramatically different. And exactly what's happening in that world is happening in the lighting industry, and and lighting has to be compliant and work with the kinds of applications that you use on a cell phone. Hmm. Now, just as a final question, I love asking people um, if there's anything that you really think that our, our listeners should know, um, particularly about lighting and health and wellness or uh, your career. Um, is there anything we haven't touched upon that you think that they should really know? No, I think it, I think if uh, our listeners have uh, have uh, caught a couple of the points that we made now, which is the, uh, the impact of controllability and, uh, and the uh, miniaturization of lighting and the fact that we're able to change form factors and control lighting in all new ways. Uh, I think that really is the, the key message. All right, great. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation. Katie, it was my pleasure. All right. And so for all our, all our listeners, um, as always, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send me an email. Um, otherwise, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, thanks so much.